Welcome back, Ag Watchers. We've got a special guest, Chris Lawson uh, from CRU, a fertilizer analyst. Chris, how's it going? Good, thanks, Andrew. Good, thanks, Matt. Um, thanks for having me on again. Pleasure to be here. One, one of our most regular guests over the past year. And uh, there's big news from Chris. Chris moved to the uh, three months ago to the city so good they had to name it twice. So what's it like living in Wagga Wagga? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm unfortunately uh, relocated to New York rather than, than Wagga Wagga, but um, oh. yeah, the the dynamism is is very similar. Uh, you often hear people referring to uh, New York as Little Wagga Wagga, so yeah, I'm having having lots of fun. You look you look a bit tired, Chris. Uh, not at all. <laughs> not at all. You know, and uh, but uh, but I heard the, but I heard it's a city that never sleeps. So. It's not well, yeah, I I think that is a bit of a that's a bit of a overstatement. Um, that things do shut here, uh, which can sometimes be a little bit inconvenient. But um, no, it's it's certainly a uh, great place to live, and things are opened up here, um, which is uh, more than what we can say for many Australian cities, I guess. But yeah, we're having a having a great time living here so far. So, probably the most opportune time to ever talk about fertilizers, when you know. Chris, you've been on holiday for two weeks, so you go on holiday and everything goes belly up in the fertilizer industry. So up until the last two weeks, you were holding it together. Now the fertilizer industry has gone crazy. So let's talk about fertilizer. What's what's happening with fertilizer? Like I, I, We've identified in looking at CRU stuff, there's, there's sort of four main things happening at the moment. We've got Hurricane Ida. That's a logistics thing. We'll, we'll float over that. We won't bother about that. But these energy costs in Europe, what, what is the impact going to be? We all know that fertilizer is predominantly priced a lot of it by energy costs. But what's happening in Europe at the moment? Well, I'll pull you up on the Ida thing, Andrew. That is fairly significant, not just for logistics, but also from a production perspective. Um, there, there are... Well, the largest nitrogen production facility in the world is based in Louisiana, and that had to call force majeure uh, because of the impacts of, of Ida, both on the production facilities, but also, also the ability um, for CF Industries, which owns that large production facility, to actually yeah, load barges. So it ha has a fairly significant impact on supply of fertilizers into that US market. Uh, along with um, you know, Nutrien has a plant in Louisiana as well, which is impacted by it. Intertech Pivot owner an ammonia plant there um, uh, in the Wagaman facility. So, yeah, th there's been lots of companies that have been impacted from more than a logistics point of view. See, that's why and, we get you on, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it really it happened, has. It happened such a while ago, though, Chris, that everything else has happened subsequent to that. It's almost like that was the. That was, the, that was, that was, that was a month ago. Yeah, it was the yeah, initial, exactly. initial catalyst, but there's been all these other things. And, and Andrew and I, are so we, we just look at the most the most recent shiny thing and chase mm. after that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, give, 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 us some, give us some glass marbles. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all a bit guilty. And you can buy New York for a couple of glass marbles. <laughs> Not quite. Um, uh, but, yeah, Europe. Let's. I mean, Europe is, is definitely the one that's on um, – the, the lips of everyone at the moment. I was I was at a conference in the US uh, last week on focused on fertilizer markets and 
I, I, I don't think anyone's ever been to a US fertilizer conference and the main point of conversation has been fertilizer production in the UK. Um, but when you get the CEO of, uh, yeah, again, one of the largest fertilizer producers uh, making headlines in the Daily Mail and lots of vitriol around all of that, um, it's, it's certainly fairly extraordinary times. And basically what's happening in Europe is gas prices have increased to, uh, as far as I'm aware, record levels. Um, so paying somewhere between kind of 25 to $28 per MMBTU. Uh, to give you an idea, the prices in Europe last year uh, got to around $2 per MMBTU um, on, at the kind of low point. And in the US, they're priced at around kind of usually anywhere between 2 to $3 per MMBTU. So very, very high energy prices in Europe right now. Um, as a result of that, lots of the fertilizer production facilities, particularly in the, nit well, the nitrogen production facilities, are... Uh, have either stopped production for, uh, for sh the short term or they've sped up their maintenance schedules or they're curtailing production. So there's you know, this is creating a pretty, uh, this is yeah, kind of wreaking havoc on nitrogen flows around the world right now. And that's, and that's that, that, that gas prices increased because there wasn't as much stockpiles and we're coming into that sort of winter demand period. Is that right? Yeah, so there's been fairly good demand for gas uh, through the course of the European summer, um, part, partly due to uh, lower renewables uh, generation. So uh, the, the wind hasn't been blowing as much. So that's kind of created a, a bit more demand for gas. Um, there's been some, there's a geopolitical aspect to this as well. Uh, Europe sources a lot of its gas from Russia. Russia has been uh, somewhat holding back on some of its deliveries. Um, they've been kind of filling their contractual uh, obligations, but not much more than that. Uh, lots of that is to do with a new pipeline that's been built between Russia uh, and Germany. So yeah, lots of things that are creating this uh, fairly substantial bubble in, in gas pricing in Europe right now. It must be pretty bad, Chris, because I had seen on the news that if you were, well, certainly in the UK, some were lamenting the, the move away from coal but uh, some of the Europeans were even saying that they might have to you know, look towards coal as a bit of a short-term saviour, so, um, or, or potentially well, that, nuclear, I guess, is the other option. Well, that's what they... Is that not why the carbon price has increased in, in Europe? Because there's a bigger switch to coal, so you need some yeah, extra more, credits? Yeah, more demand for those carbon credits, for, for sure, and that with kind of different changes to carbon trading schemes throughout the course of the year as well has, yeah, really seen those uh, European carbon prices take off. So, yeah, there, there really is a, a lot of ingredients to, to what is happening right now. Just and, and, and just to sign up before we go on, the other really important thing with the, uh, with the UK situation was that it didn't just impact, obviously, the fertiliser side of the business, but the livestock sector, uh, I think they were saying that they had to reduce or, or uh, you know, severely curtail chicken and pig slaughter. And I think there were some concerns as well around um, the ability to get enough turkeys um, slaughtered for Christmas because they use the carbon dioxide to preserve the turkeys um, you know, to be able to uh, have enough available when it comes um, that rush on, on turkeys and ham at Christmas time. Yeah, the fertiliser production facilities are, um, yeah, kind of good sources of a fairly pure form of, of CO2, which goes into lots of weird and wonderful uh, industrial and 
uh, other processes like um, yeah, slaughtering animals. So even, yeah, that, that's kind even, of even worse. Apparently, <laughs> bars of Glasgow are curtailing production of iron brew. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> which is a which is a you know that that if you think the, the Melbourne riots are bad, <laughs> wait, wait wait till you see when Tesco's runs out of iron brew. Yeah, the the, the last time European uh, gas prices spiked was uh, 2018. It was in, it was in the summer, and we saw some curtailing of different uh, nitrogen production facilities, and that actually coincided with uh, the football World Cup, which was in Russia. So summer. World Cup, lots of beer being consumed. Beer is a, a big uh, demand sink for, for CO2. So there was uh, fears of having to ration beer in what is a very high demand period. So that kind of caught the headlines. And yeah, a very different type of headline this time around, around fertilizer companies ruining Christmas for people in the UK, which is obviously, uh, yeah, very much uh, lots of vitriol around all of that. But yeah, it's um, there's there's lots of industries that are linked to everything that is going on right now. So, so hy- hy- hypothetically, yeah, and you, you you might not be able to answer this, yeah. So, so normally fertilizer nitrogen fit production costs are based on that sort of two dollars, yeah, two to four dollars, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But at twenty five dollars, what would the price of fertilizer be? The output cost. Yeah, so, so if, if, if if that was the ongoing price, which we don't think. Yeah, it so will. so the example that we um, have have used for our clients is again looking at the cost of uh, producing ammonia. So Q4 2020, the cost of producing ammonia in Europe was under two hundred dollars a ton, um, and you know if you think uh, you know that you would essentially to to basically do a very basic um, equation to that. You would almost kind of half that to get your get your urea cost. We added a little bit more on that than that. But um, but yeah, right now we're looking at uh, production costs for Q4 this year of over $1,000 a ton. Um, so that's Wait, fairly... Is that for, is that for nitro- nitrogen or for ammonia? That's for ammonia. So again, if you kind of half split again. that in half, yeah, for for um, the production cost of urea, again, a very 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 rough calculation, but you're looking at kind of yeah five to six hundred dollars a ton. But before um, before we go on to uh, to talk about China and 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 what's going on there, because that's another thing that's happening. What about substitution? You know, your fertilizer, you know, extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. And don't don't smuck. I can see you on the camera. I, I know what's coming. That's why I'm smirking. <laughs> <laughs> we all know so, what's coming. <laughs> so, so, so fertilizer prices in Australia, you know, probably over a thousand dollars a ton for for urea. <clears throat> what about substitution to other things like manure? You know, we we we're seeing manure prices at a, at a local level continuing to trade at you know fifteen dollars a ton free on truck. So, so I'm just wondering if there's an opportunity for, you know, substitution. Has, has the CRU looked at what, what, what is CRU's manure analyst thinking? Look, I'm, I'm not here to, to peddle your uh, manure products, Andrew and Matt. So uh, no comment on that one. Um, yeah, in extreme times like this, so in all seriousness, it, it does kind of raise the question of what else can we use? Um, there's not a great deal out there in terms of uh, what you can use. For, for nitrogen 
particularly when there's kind of regulations against things like ammonium nitrate uh, because of safety concerns, all of that sort of stuff. But mm. yeah, it's, um, you know, and the, the whole question of demand destruction comes up uh, in these very, very high price environments. Again, if uh, grain prices were, were to fall through the floor, um, then you might have um, some fairly hefty demand destruction. We don't really expect that to happen. Uh, yeah. That does certainly help to absorb some of the increased uh, input costs for this year or the, the upcoming year. Um, so, yeah, we, we do think that there'll be some elements of demand destruction there. Uh, but we don't foresee, you know, in, in the shorter term, um, wholesale kind of demand destruction farmers really cutting back and looking I to to use things like pig manure to to fertilise their crops because the incentive is still there for farmers to, and, to and, fertilise and, their crops properly. Anecdotally, Chris, mm. I have had a number of calls about manure in recent days. And, and I do know of one farmer that's bought, you know, a couple of thousand tonnes of, of chicken manure because the fertiliser price is too high. So I'm, I'm, add that into your models and see what, what comes up. But at the moment... Be sure to do that. But basically at the moment we're sitting on you know, some, some, some brown gold, you know. <laughs> so the other thing, so energy prices going through the roof, yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, what do you, is that going to be a short-term blip or, or is this right through until, you know, right through the European winter? Uh, the, the view at the moment uh, within CIU and looking at the, the forward curve for the gas markets as well suggests that this is going to persist uh, over most of the European winter, given the, the low storage levels of gas that they've got right now. So, again, it, it could change very quickly with some you know, agreements for that Russian uh, Nord Stream pipeline. Uh, or other kind of you know, big macro events coming in, really spooking the market. But for now, our base case is for those high energy prices to uh, persist. So quite scary if you're a European farmer, really. Absolutely, yeah. So, but that's not the only, the only issue overnight. I think there was more news coming out of China. China's also facing pretty hefty energy costs from coal. And I think from a, from a previous podcast you did with us, Chris, you, you told us that the majority of fertilizers produced using coal rather than gas in China. Indeed it is, yeah. Most of the nitrogen uh, fertilizers produced, so the urea uh, and ammonia produced in, in China is, uh, for the most part, from, from coal. Uh, and again, those uh, similar to gas in Europe, we're seeing coal prices in China really uh, spiral uh, somewhat out of control um, and it's a, it's a little bit scary seeing what's happening there as well. Part of that is due to uh, some of the restrictions that are in place uh, imposed by the Chinese government on, on importing Australian coal. Um, so uh, make of that what, what you will. So, so, is uh, it, so, so is that partially a sort of an example of them sort of cutting off the nose to spite the face in a way? It, some people see it like that, I guess, and you know, there is a lot of coal production within China itself, and they've had some of their own domestic production uh, issues. It's not entirely a, a blocking Australian uh, kind of shipments issue, but it is something that has contributed to the matter. Have they also? Um, is there also issues with coal coming from Mongolia as well? Uh, I believe that has I, I i do remember seeing a headline around that you know i couldn't explain what what that has been but, i think yeah. there was i think there was something around again 
the old COVID story of mm -hmm. of, of logistics issues there. But who knows? Yeah. So en energy prices, <laughs> energy prices in in China gone through the roof. So similar yeah. sort similar sort of scale to to what's happening in Europe, really like record levels, really when yeah. you look at the charts. Yeah. But that's not the only news coming out of China, is it? Yeah, so it's been an ever-evolving story out of China. Um, it was late last week. There was a, a statement put out by the uh, National Reform Development Committee. So they do lots of the, the state planning, particularly around kind of agriculture and other commodities. And they they do this statement every year, but they released it uh, about four or five months earlier this year. And in that, they highlighted a number of different method measures they've been putting in place to. Uh, secure domestic fertilizer supply. Um, one of those measures was uh, imposing more barriers to uh, urea, DAP and MAP exports. So providing more favorable uh, freight rates for uh, product destined for, for local markets over export markets, increased inspections uh, for cargoes that were destined for export that would really kind of play with, with traders. Uh, and their, their ability to ship within a you know, very tight window. Um, so that was kind of the, the news that was uh, coming out last week. Uh, but yeah, today we uh, received uh, some, some news from uh, different contacts within China that uh, local governments had asked different state-owned enterprises, uh, fertilizing well, fertilizer-producing state-owned enterprises uh, to pull back or completely cease exports uh, and we understand that that directive has been until June next year. Now that doesn't obviously impact all producers of fertilizer, it's the state-owned enterprises that it, that it impacts. So the, we don't think that the, there's going to be a complete cessation of exports out of China, but it's going to be fairly significant. That was, that was, uh, the, that was the big news floating around this morning I saw when I woke up, Chris, was mm -hmm. a couple of um, a couple of um, analysis firms, not CAU, of course, but they were kind of... Se second, second tier. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say hamming it up, but, but the, 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 the very short twi Twitter grab this morning that got my attention was that China is effectively banning all phosphate exports until June of 2022. Um, yeah. So you're saying that it's, it is a serious thing, but it's maybe not as bad as a total ban. Yeah, it's, uh, we don't think we're going to see a complete stop. Right. That's, I think that's very important to, to highlight, but it's going to be fairly significant. Um, and again, there's still lots of um, information we're trying to, to gather around this. It's still very unclear. You know, this is a directive from local governments. That's probably not as powerful as what it is coming from the national government, the, the CPP. Um, it's you know, seen by some people as a fairly major slap on the wrist because some of these directives have been coming out for, for a while now saying, you know, really trying to put the pressure on some of these producers and traders to stay focused on the domestic market. Don't be sending so much out for export. We've seen a lot of volume exported from China this year. They're on track to reach a, a record of, of phosphate exports. Um, that's very unlikely to happen now given this, this current news. But yeah, it's um, it's it's significant. We will see, you know, people try and talk this up as a, a major thing that that'll push prices higher, and we have no doubt that prices are going to to move higher over the coming weeks and probably sharply higher. Um, but yeah, it's it's like I said, not going to be a complete cessation, but uh, will be significant. So so it's only really 
it's only really sort of directed towards the state-owned facilities. Roughly, what would the percentage be that's state-owned in fertilized production? Just a uh, figure. Yeah, it, it varies by nutrient. For DAP, you're looking somewhere between kind of uh, 80 to 90 percent. Uh, right. It's a little bit lower than that for, for urea. For MAP, it is lower than that. There's more kind of privately held MAP producers. So they might not be, you might not have as many issues with, with MAP, but we think it's still going to be fairly severe. Uh, and again, you know, the, the other restrictions are being put in place. Those other barriers that have been put in place from that initial statement that came out around kind of increased uh, you know, inspections and requirements and things like that, that's going to affect everyone. That's not just going to affect the SOEs. That's going to be all producers and exporters of fertilizer. But, but a lot, is it, is it like I, I, I remember that, that there's obviously a lot more political interference within board levels of a lot of companies as well so a lot of companies have to have you know government representation on a lot of boards in china is that correct yeah it 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 varies on a provincial basis i think andrew and yeah it's it's tricky i'm not i'm i'm not going to go into the details of it because i just don't know but yeah yeah, it's not uncommon to see that kind of thing in, in chinese companies but there could be a little bit of contagion, a little bit of transfer from, okay, it's state-owned organizations, but it could feasibly be a bit of, pre- there'll be more and more pressure on non-state enterprises to follow suit, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we see those different barriers being being put in place um, that are, again, not an outright ban and not an outright kind of government saying you must do this, but really a, a very hefty nudge. Um, when it comes to yeah those different measures that are being put in place, and then China in terms of China, we would get most of our DAP and MAP from China, and, and a bit of our urea, but not much of our urea. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's pretty well summarised, I would say. So 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 we've got at the moment we've we've talked about briefly about the US major production area is is facing some headwinds. Mm-hmm. Europe, another major production area, facing obviously major headwinds. China, major production area, facing some headwinds. So we've got the Middle East, that's the other major producer. Any problems there? Any wars? Any, you know, what's what's coming there? I mean, yeah, lots of the uh, Middle Eastern producers benefit from uh, more favorable gas pricing, I would say. So yeah, there's not those kind of gas price issues they're facing there. Um, their production there hasn't been as smooth as what many would have liked this year. Uh, you know, there's been lots of things that the, the pandemic has, has done and delayed and things like that. You know, these fertilizer manufacturing facilities are pretty capital intensive and pretty impressive feats of, of engineering. They do require maintenance and lots of that maintenance hasn't been able to really happen over the past year or so because of different travel restrictions and uh, abilities for, for different companies to spend capital on these maintenances. And that's really catching up um, with lots of producers, not just in the Middle East, but all around the world right now. Uh, so there's lots of different production issues that are now kind of coming about from some of these delayed maintenances. Um, and yeah, it's again kind of creating this real squeeze along the whole kind of fertilizer supply chain. It doesn't but, sound but, like it's going to be a short-term blip uh, as a squeeze up and then you know, back to 
this could be an extended period of very high prices. As a, a super cycle, Chris. <laughs> no, it's not a super cycle. Still, still holding on to, to that one. And, you know, we, we do really think that we're, we're in for an elevated um, few months of, of fertilizer pricing here. And we have an incredibly difficult job in, in forecasting prices. And that's, that's kind of the bread and butter of, of what we do. Um, I've had many clients kind of uh, kind of reach out saying, "I oh, don't don't envy you guys right now trying to forecast prices over the next few months because it's going to be super difficult." You know, right now our, our kind of uh, analysis suggests that we don't really see the market correcting too much lower until you know the, the second half of next year. Um, there's there's not a great deal of fertilizer in in inventory at the moment that can help to make up for some of these this production issues around the world. However, when we do, you know, there's lots of price incentive there, obviously. So once lots of these facilities get back up and running full bore again, then, you know, that'll help to, to ease some of these supply pressures that are out there right now. Once China kind of opens those export gates again, you could see quite a lot of products hit the market at once. So, you know, we do anticipate there's a fairly strong downside um, to fertilizer prices going into the second half of next year. But obviously, you know, that's not going to be uh, too great a news for lots of the, the listeners of this podcast who are Australian farmers who will be making their fertiliser purchases as well before that. Because normally when, when we look back in, in history, you see these big sort of blips in fertiliser prices, but they're mm. relatively short lived. It's almost mm. it's almost like, you know, you know, supply comes on online to, to reduce those 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 blips but yeah. you you're imagining this could be a more protracted sort of you know almost a year of of high prices yeah just based on on some of those production issues that are that are there and present around the world right now based on kind of the expectations of, of what's going to happen with european gas uh based on those you know again kind of very early expectations that we have around how long china might be uh kind of less prevalent in the market for it really doesn't look like we're going to yeah get a, a bursting of this bubble uh anytime soon well thanks for the good news chris yeah <laughs> oh, oh and I'll, I'll add to that as well guys again kind of we, we've spoken a lot on nitrogen and uh phosphate potash is the other key nutrient that's not looking any better prices of that have shot up uh over the past year um, and again the, the main concern in potash right now is around belarus uh, lots of the sanctions being put on from europe and the us uh, are going to have a fairly significant impact on on trade flows um, so that's kind of uh, yeah just adding further pain across the whole fertilizer complex right now so pot, pot, where, where would our potash come from do we import a lot of potash not a, not a massive amount um, i think most of it comes from Canada, is my understanding of it. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, again, they're fueling lots of inquiries from, from elsewhere at the moment. So, so their prices will be, uh, will have been moving higher. Um, but, yeah, and they've had some of their own supply issues through, through this year as well. Uh, but we see the producers there. Uh, such as Nutrien ramping up some of their idled capacity to you know to 
fill the market and fill that market requirement. The economic incentive is there for, for them to do that. So we will see more potash hitting the market throughout the course of next year, but there is a bit of a rerouting of trade that will need to happen based on some of these uh, sanctions. You mentioned earlier, Chris, um, caught my attention when you said about the, the Grinch, the Christmas Grinch or the Grinch that stole Christmas or whatever, um, due to the fertiliser issues. And um, I just wondered if there was a connection between the greenness of the Grinch and the, the greenness of a big North American fertiliser supplier. You know, it's green in colour for their logo. <laughs> uh, I think you're referring to Nutrient there. I mean, yes. Um, I don't know if you've seen Chris this morning. There's been a lot of memes out this morning. <laughs> There's a couple of crackers on there. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, they're, they're one of the biggest fertilizer producers and um, distributors globally. Again, yeah, they face some of their own issues this year. You know, they were impacted by Hurricane Ida, but, you know, this is something that the whole industry is, is having to deal with right now. Um, you know, I, I, I do truly believe that fertilizer producers don't want prices at these fairly extraordinary levels. It's, it's unsustainable in the longer term. It's unsustainable. There is that potential there for demand destruction. And it, it just really, you know, these guys like smooth operations, right? And right now with these prices, there's going to be very few buyers and traders that are willing to take big positions on the market because they know that the bubble is going to burst at some point. It makes it really difficult for producers to to fill their orders and, and things like that. So we can um, poke fun and kind of you know, think there's a big kind of fertilizer conspiracy theory out there as, as much as we want. But it, the it's fact hot. of the matter is there's some massive issues out there at the moment and there's not a massive amount that these fertilizer producers can do about it. So it's, it's all just big fertilizer trying to trying to head out as as manure manufacturers. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately not. Uh, yeah. So, so Chris, if if you were to give advice to farmers in Australia, non-binding advice, uh, terms and conditions applied, blah 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 blah. What <laughs> would you say to Australian farmers? What's the uh, other other than you know, you know, uh, solace? Uh, and... Incorporate higher input costs into your budget this year because you're going to be paying a, an awful lot more for them um, and it's not just fertilizer uh, some of the the issues in in china at the moment mean that there's probably going to be some fairly tight glyphosate supply out there as well i know there's already been some some issues on, on that supply chain but that's not going to get better next year as well so yeah you the the fertilizer supply you know it's going to be tight. There's going to be some more disruptions coming into that Australian supply chain uh, based on some of these kind of trade flows that are going to change with, with the current issues. So yeah, factor in higher prices uh, to the, the budgets for next year's crop. Be interesting to see what happens with those, those facilities in Australia that are in this sort of planning phase, you know, Lee Creek strike energy in Geraldton. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they'd be if they'd be pretty pretty good buys if, if fertilizer stayed at this price for a long time. But it, but that would that would alleviate some of the logistical constraints uh, if they were in operation. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, we can um, yeah we can speculate as, as much as we want about how how successful those facilities would would be if they were in uh, operation right now. Again. If they were, they'd be pricing off the international market and they'd be selling their fertilizer for, for high prices right now as well. Um, 
but yeah, th those sort of projects, um, you know, this always uh, puts a bit of wind behind them, I guess, when prices are as, are as high as this. And there's, a, there's always some good arguments to be made to invest, uh, potential investors on, you know, needing to needing domestic uh, supply and, and things like that. It's a good hedge. Um, it's a good hedge. It's a good hedge for your uh, cropping farmer, though, Chris, to go and buy some Lee Creek Energy um, share. This is an oh advice, God. of course. <laughs> but um, you know, a natural hedge. You could go and buy, hold, be a big shareholder in Lee Creek, and um, and then when the fertilizer price goes up like this, you kind of you compensated from your share price movement. I am one hundred percent not going to comment on that at all because that is. <laughs> very much against what I'm here to do uh, and would get in a lot of trouble if I did. So I'm you've been very professional. You've been very professional, Chris. We've tried to lead you astray a few times here and you've just put us back on track in a, in a you know. <laughs> um, well, so I'm, I'm in a very serious mood at the moment. I've had been yeah, getting calls from forever at the moment. It's um, yeah, it's certainly been a, a, a crazy couple of weeks for uh, the the fertilizer market and you know particularly with consultants like us um yeah we've been run off our feet with different inquiries coming in from from all sorts uh we know how you feel as 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 analysts ourselves we we just we just operate in a much more simpler market space you know it's easy it's easy with grains and and livestock you know, it's not as not as complex as fertilizer not as many bits and pieces but another bits and pieces we 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 sort of briefly mentioned about that carbon price in Europe, the carbon price has gone through the roof, and that's obviously, you know, a number of different reasons. You know, those rule changes, but also, um, you know, that that switch back to to coal. Uh, what impact is the carbon price? The carbon emitters have obviously got to pay a carbon tax in Europe, yeah. To um, to to an extent, um, they do. Yes, so so there's uh, Europe is kind of the the leader when it comes to. Uh, taxing carbon emissions and, and things like that. Now, there are certain allowances that different industrial producers get in terms of, right, this is how, many, how much CO2 you can emit in your production process and then you pay, you know, for anything that's kind of above that allowance. And the fertilizer producers within Europe have relatively favorable allowances right now, which means they're, they're not, as we understand it, paying massive amounts on, on a CO2 price, but that that's going to, well, sorry, on CO2, that is going to change uh, over the next five to 10 years. So those allowances are going to move lower and lower. So does that mean that, you know, carbon pricing is going to be, that will impact the price as well of, of fertilizers? Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's going to add to the cost of production. Um, so yeah, again, to, to give uh, you guys and, and the listeners, a bit of a ballpark figure. For every ton of ammonia production, uh, you're producing around two tons of CO2. So if you've got kind of no allowances and you're, you're taxed, um, you know, let's say $30 a ton on the CO2 that you're producing, you know, that's, that's adding um, a decent amount onto, um, yeah, that, that kind of production cost that you've got. So, again, it's not going to be as simple as that, and it's nowhere near as simple as that, but just to give uh, people yeah. a bit of an idea of what we're playing with here. So, so in a couple of years' time, you'll be looking at gas price or energy prices, carbon prices, mm. supply and demand, geopolitics. Jeez. You're going to have, yeah, no, hair. A, you're gonna, you're gonna have no hair left, Chris. 
<laughs> Thank you. I haven't lost too much yet. Um, going a bit grey, but yeah, it's it's certainly a, a fascinating time in the market. And yeah, as you know, lots of producers are trying to to readjust to this um, new world of carbon pricing and emissions trading schemes and uh, carbon border adjustment mechanisms and and all of this. And it's yeah, it's fairly interesting there is still some really good opportunities for the fertilizer industry out there as well with some of the this kind of decarbonization story that's happening at the moment you know there's lots of potential for uh, ammonia as a fuel and as a hydrogen carrier and all of that there's lots of activity that's that's happening in that space in australia right now um but yeah it's um there there are no shortage of challenges as well and I think at the moment, when you, when you look at that carbon market, it's quite immature to an extent in, in Australia. It, like like from, a, from a carbon farming point of view, there's a couple of, couple of big stories in the newspaper about individual farmers, but it's not, you know, it's less than 1% of farmers are involved in that carbon farming. But I guess in the future, that carbon sequestration will be the hedge against some of those carbon increases in, in fertilizer, potentially. Potentially, yes, it, it's something that could come into that kind of crop rotation uh, mix. You know, do you plant certain types of cover crops and, and sequester carbon um, rather than plant wheat or whatever? It's it's probably something that yeah, farmers in 10, 20 years are going to have to have to think, to think about. about. You, you're right; it, it is still in its infancy, not just in Australia, but in the the US and Europe and places like that. They're still trying to work out how this works, how you account for the carbon that's sequestered and uh, all of that is, yeah, we're still very much in the early stages of it. Uh, but again, there's some, I, I do think there's some really good opportunities that will come about from this for, for farmers in the future. I liked um, Chick Olsen's, so we had Chick Olsen on a little while back, Chris, um, he's running for the AWI board again in Australia and he'd, he'd mentioned about that 50% or nearly 50% of what goes into the, you know, creates the wool on the sheep is carbon and was suggesting that the sheep are a natural carbon sink, you know, you, and you grow the wool each year and capture more carbon and cut it off and sell it. Um, I'd be interested to see whether he can, I think he was investigating, wasn't he, Andrew, to look at um, scientifically showing that as, uh, and, and getting credits for every, every uh, sheep you got running around the paddock. Um, that'd be an interesting very animal. very interesting concept i would like to see well, the uh yeah the life cycle emissions of that but. but there's a lot of people who are you know there's a lot of people who are sort of uh, trying new sort of innovations for this carbon space and it'll be interesting to see which ones do work and which ones don't work because yeah it's the same as anything it's there's going to be winners and losers some. Yeah, and and the markets are going to dictate that policy direction is going to dictate all of that, and yeah, we're still. I, th I think we'll, we'll get a bit of clarity perhaps in the the upcoming uh, COP twenty six meeting that's coming up. That's been certainly being talked about a, a hell of a lot. So, you know, where's where's that, that where's that one been held? Uh, <laughs> it is in the lovely town of Glasgow. Uh, so, so. so if there's any politicians who are looking for a place to rent, I've got an apartment <laughs> in, in, in Glasgow. I'll be, I'll be charging surge rates. Uh, so $2,000 a night um, available for the entirety of the conference. That's if there's uh, no riding that sets off because 
was a lack of iron brew and and possibly no black pudding if the pigs. Imagine that. Imagine that. Like you're you're some politician from Australia or the US or Hawaii or anywhere in the world, and you you've been excited for two years or three years thinking I'm going to get to go to Glasgow. I'm going to first things first. I'm going to get some black pudding and some iron brew for my breakfast, and then you get there and it's just milk and muesli. How how terrible would that be? What 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 a bad opinion of Glasgow they're going to have. So, will, I think I, I do think people will take you up on your offer as well, Andrew. I know we've we've crew's got a team of people going to that conference and they've struggled to find accommodation. So perhaps I'll put them in touch with you. Right. Well, I've got to actually. I have actually. To be honest, I did actually just rent it out last week. But I do. Ha- <laughs> I do. I do have a an Airbnb in the south of Scotland in a, in a converted stables. Which is which could be available. It's only ninety miles from Glasgow. That's not that far. If if they're Australians, it'll be fine. But I didn't realise I'd come into this podcast to uh, peddle Andrew Whitelaw's portfolio of uh, <laughs> accommodation and manure options. Well, but it's extended the, the portfolio extended, extended family, family as, well. as well. Yeah, you can go. You can live with my uh, my parents. There'd be a caravan in someone's backyard. You could stop stop a few nights in. <laughs> so but let's let's go back to fertilizer in all seriousness because this is a serious podcast and, and i don't want to talk too much about the homeland because chris hoiberg will start getting annoyed because um, that's his main criticism ryan, 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 ryan hoiberg ryan hoiberg so so he gets he gets he gets uh he gets a little bit pissed off when when we talk we go on tangents and and so so i don't want to go on tangents for too long and just waffle on uh but going back to fertilizer yeah it's a mad, mad world, and you, you've been doing fertilizer for quite some time. Is this the maddest it's been in in your in your period? Uh, undoubtedly, in, in my period, I'd like to think that I'm not that old. Um, two thousand and eight, two thousand nine, like uh, in lots of commodity markets, was uh, kind of was when we reached the peak of uh, fertilizer markets. Um, and again, lots of the market contacts that I speak with say, you know, this is similar shade to 2008, 2009, but it's very, very different drivers of things uh, this time around. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a fairly wild few months. It already is quite wild. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been an incredibly interesting time to be a fertilizer analyst. But in terms of... Like at the moment, if I just look at like say just a quick look at US Gulf urea prices, we're we're not that far off those peaks. Oh, in Aussie dollar terms, what is the? Do you think we'll get to those peaks, or we'll just miss them? Uh, it's I honestly cannot say right now. Um, we're kind of in our price forecasting week. I I would hasn't hasn't say that. Well, I. I my preliminary high-level forecast, without putting too many words in the, the mouth of the, the different teams, is we're not going to get to that level, uh, but we are, you know, in for for some fairly uh, higher pricing over the next couple of months. If we don't get to that level, though, but it's sustained at higher prices mm-hmm. for longer, that could be more painful than a quick blip, you know, to that level and, and back again or whatever. Uh, potentially yeah. life you know it could be it could be a like you said a a number of months into next year of elevated high price and it's um probably more damaging than uh than a than a blip 
because well, this, this is going to occur at the same time as our seeding effectively potentially yeah. like people are start, imports are starting to occur just now for for next season and and purchasing will 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 will, will start to occur for farm farmers are buying earlier and earlier every year mm-hmm. the fertilizer yeah and so so it will potentially hurt quite a bit um right oh well chris we'll probably leave it there because i know that you've got parties to go off to and whatnot living in new york and you'll be hanging around with 50 cents and frank sinatra or whoever else so and trump 50 cents is a new one <laughs> all right so that's yeah. the only only person i know from new york well, i don't know him but uh, not personal is he a west coast rapper no he's i don't he's, know i don't know i just right <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm a grains analyst. I'm not a bloody pop culture bloody analyst. Frank Sinatra and Donald Trump, then, mm. right? They're Jay Z. Jay Z is definitely from from New York. Maybe you could just refer back to Jay Z. Someone for someone that has got my age to come out with Frank Sinatra as your person from New York, apart from he's, the fact that he's dead. He's he's he is New York, you know. But anyway, just just to finish off. Uh, what I'm getting from, from, from the conversation, Chris, just to summarize, is that fertilizer prices are going to be pretty high for the foreseeable future right through, probably until really farmers are not going to be able to take advantage of lower price of fertilizer, at least until the 2023 seeding, in essence, for, in Australia. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I think there's a fairly good summary, Andrew. Um, uh, yeah, we, we don't see the bubble bursting anytime soon. So, yeah. And I'm reading between the lines and I'm putting paraphrasing and I'm putting words in your mouth. Uh, but with pig manure at 53 times cheaper than, than urea, there could be some substitution. No comment. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there will be. And I, uh, yeah. But so, so good luck with that business. I, I wish you all the best. Maybe people should be getting behind Andrew, maybe you guys should list your pig manure business and see how that flies up over the next few, few months. I tell you what, if this is the right time to do it, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll try and do a listing in the next, in the next month. Um, we'll, we'll, I look, I look we'll, forward to the ASX uh, notification of that one. But... Right. Oh, on that serious note, thanks very much for coming along, Chris, and taking your evening out. Uh, it was really interesting. And Perfect timing as well. Uh, it's almost like we, 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 we planned this, but it was actually we booked this in with you two weeks ago. And it just happens to be on the morning of China, you know, bringing out some pretty, pretty hefty uh, interventions in the fertilizer market. You know, couldn't, couldn't have predicted it better in terms Indeed. of timing. Well times, yeah. So, so thanks very much for your insights. Uh, as ever, really enjoy. I think this is your fourth time on the podcast. So, so clearly uh, you have some sort of issues as well. That you clearly, uh, <laughs> you're not, you're not, you're not scared like some people to come on. Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks very much for coming along. It's been no, great. thanks for having me again, guys. Uh, always a pleasure. Thanks for your insights, Chris. See, we got nothing done. Ciao for Cheers. now.